We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is December 7th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, uh, today ended like in a really aw- well, not great way. The day started in a really cool kind of way. I don't know if we want to talk about mm-hmm. that like right off the bat. Yeah, said some good abs- vibes before we get depressed again. Yeah, we had we had two positives and a negative today. As the people know, that's why they're tuning in. Paolo had his career high forty two points tonight. And the, the negative is the loss the Magic took at the hands of the Cavaliers, despite the 42-point performance and Paolo doing everything in his sweet, sweet ability to do. Superstar. The other positive, Jonathan, as many, maybe many of you don't know, I don't know, but Franz and Morris Fogner went on, pardon my take, part of Barstool Network for a, you know the podcast, right? They did it in studio. I guess it was, this was taped a couple weeks ago. In Chicago. So, yeah. So this was taped. It was released essentially today. I'm watching it this morning while I'm working. And I'm, I had already made the point of like, if there's anything in this that is like thought provoking, funny, whatever, I'm going to clip this. We're going to post it to the, to the show's Twitter, whatever, move on. Mortz Wagner goes ahead and tells a story basically about how like trash talking Kevin Durant, how it went incredibly wrong for him. I don't know if we want to even tell the story of that i don't know what you think but yeah i mean essentially like his rookie year he gets fouled on a three doesn't realize that it was kevin durant that fouled him and like with you know classic mo wagner style just like says yeah you can't guard me and then mm-hmm. he realized it was kevin durant and then as he's shooting free throws he has kevin durant demarcus cousins and draymond green like barking at him talking trash at the at the free throw line and it he made like one out of three free throws and it just went really badly for him it was really so, really funny clip very funny like the his delivery was great it, the entire story was awesome so shout out to, to mo wagner so anyway i screen record this i put it to our twitter 
and gave the proper credits, of course. Gave proper credits, absolutely. And um, and then a few hours go by, Jonathan, and we see Big Cat from Barstool, and pardon my take, retweets us. He's got like 1.6 million followers, and so in the in our chat, we were like, "Oh man, that's awesome! Like that's a W, that's awesome." We I think we stayed pretty even keel for that. And yeah, then we were definitely cool, but we were like, "Hey, that's probably the biggest like Twitter account, account that we've ever to, had in interaction, yes. like a direct retweet for sure." So we're like, "Okay, that's dope. Like this tweet is going to do really well." So then, and we were right. It, we were right. Then what? Maybe 15 minutes later. Yeah. 15 minutes later, the group chat was not even keeled. No, not even keeled at all. I'm I'm working, and I see my phone light up, and it says, "KD Trey, Kevin Durant." quoted your tweet or like whatever and he goes on to basically say that like he walked away from that instance and saying Moritz Wagner was an a-hole right like this rookie's an a-hole because he was a rookie at a time this comes across our screens and we all simultaneously did the same thing we all sprinted to our group chat I I just started typing gibberish yes. in that moment. I just started spamming gibberish. You were spamming a lot of OMGs and everything else. Kevin as well, chiming in on those too. Like, just insane. But what would ensue, Jonathan, for the rest of the day? We we didn't know. We should have known for sure that this was going to happen. But because of that engagement, people had to click on our tweet to watch the clip. Because Kevin Durant didn't tweet the clip. He quote tweeted the clip. People have to cl- click on our tweet as a result. And as of now, 10.50 p.m. on Wednesday, December 6th, this clip has 11 million views. And that our, thus, our tweet has 11 million views. We've gained hundreds of followers to this point. Shout out to Kevin Durant and his 20 million. So if you could think that like we were a little bit excited about Big Cat retweeting at 1.6 million followers, Katie quite literally has 20 million of them. So that was insanity. Um, just ridiculous. I could not believe it. Yeah, big shout out to KD. Still a buster for Golden going to Golden State, by the way. Of but course. like we we genuinely appreciate the engagement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just we're like, yeah, like maybe this will do a million. And then like within twenty minutes it did a million. Yeah. And we're like, oh man, maybe this could get like five or six million. And then like you said, we're sitting here. Wednesday night, it's at eleven point three million. It's just honestly yeah. really yeah. ridiculous. Like, at one point, I was like, "Really it's crazy." Two point five million views. Like, I think we can get there. And then it quite it is just it zoomed past two point five million. Probably an hour later, and because you had said uh, maybe like five, five, four or five or five or six or something million, and then next thing we know, a couple hours later, it's gotten past that. It was out of control. It was absolutely out of control. So I'm like looking at who's liking, who's retweeting, trying to sift through and try to see if there was anybody like bigger accounts interacting. Um, incredible. Uh, Rex Chapman was one of them. I believe he liked or something like that. He's got a, a, quite a big following on on Twitter, X, whatever. After that, Jonathan, I said to myself, nothing that happens today can ruin my day. The magic almost did. The magic losing today almost broke my spirit, but Kevin Durant carried me through, I guess. I got to be honest, bro. I would trade in 11 million views to have won this game tonight. I really, I really would have. <laughs> I might be in the minority there yeah, and I can, I can understand if like maybe you wouldn't cause like 
you know, couple. It was a fun a, day. Yeah, it's like you know, I'll tell my grandkids like this. Kevin story Durant interacted on some capacity in some capacity with our social media, which he probably will never do again. I wouldn't expect it. We're a magic related podcast. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think I would trade it in. People, you know, make the assumptions you want, but it was a very fun day for us. I was so we all Facetimed like right after, mm-hmm. and we're all like cackling like <laughs> idiots. And my mom's like, "You're gonna give somebody a heart attack." Like my mom has no idea who Kevin Durant is. <laughs> Those of you that don't know, my my mother lives with you know my wife and my kids and I. And I had to go in and be like, "Mom, like Kevin Durant is is legitimately one of the best basketball players <laughs> that has ever walked the face of the earth." Mm-hmm. Okay. And he just retweeted our you know tweet to like two yeah. like twenty million people like that's pretty crazy like it's just you know mm-hmm. just wild like that Social was media, definitely man. not on the old uh, bingo card waking up today really really funny story <laughs> crazy you know what's not funny Luke what's that so far this week the Magic are and one with a loss to Cleveland on Wednesday night they are now third in the Eastern Conference they've fallen from second to third in the Eastern Conference and they now have a record of fourteen and seven. They're a half game up on Philadelphia, who's fourth. They're one and a half games up on the Knicks and two games up on Indiana, Miami, and Cleveland. The Magic are now 17th in the NBA in offensive rating with a rating of 113.4. They're still fourth in NBA uh, in defensive rating with a 109.8. And they're now eighth in the NBA in net rating with a net rating of uh, 3.7. Looking at the injury report, which is slowly growing, unfortunately, uh, Markel Fultz has now missed the last 13 games with left knee tendonitis. I believe he missed like two or three games before his last game, played one game, and now has missed the last 13. So it's like 15 out of the last 16 or 16 out of the last 17, something like that. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. has now missed the last 16 games with a fractured third metacarpal in his left hand. He should be going, if my timeline is correct, he should be seeing the doctor again this week hopefully to get like the final like full clearance like hey you can resume you know basketball activities cuz i believe it's been about 6 weeks now uh since the injury first occurred or at least you know this coming week will be 6 weeks since the injury uh, occurred and then he's just got to work on you know getting back to like live action and getting the conditioning back and hopefully we see Wendell back i would guess in the next couple of weeks here JI Jonathan Isaac has missed the last two games with a right ankle sprain Monday after practice, uh, Jamal Mosley was speaking to the media and said that he expected Jonathan Isaac to play against the Cavs on Wednesday night. He didn't do as much in practice on Tuesday. They were just sort of monitoring everything. And then he was uh, ruled as questionable leading up to the game. And then tonight before the game, Jonathan Isaac was ruled out with the ankle sprain. So he must have practiced Monday. Didn't feel so great Tuesday. Didn't feel 100% on Wednesday. They're just going to continue to monitor Jonathan Isaac. And for the sake of our defense, we're hoping he comes back as quickly as possible. And then Jalen Suggs tonight, he hurts his ankle in the first quarter, like a little like mix-up, like gets tangled up with Donovan Mitchell. He leaves the game in the first quarter, and a lot of people are like, hey, like Jalen Suggs, he might not come back in this game, which would be a massive problem. Well, he checks back in in the second quarter, re-aggravates the same ankle. is like holding like his the back of his heel, like his Achilles area. So people were worried about the Achilles. Uh, he had to have Ernest Eugene and Arnie Kander assist him in walking off the floor. Went right back to the locker room. 
uh, didn't return to the game. He was ruled out at the half with a right ankle strain. After the game, Jamal Mosley said that he's going to be reevaluated when the team gets back to Orlando. Paolo Bancaro, after tonight's game, said that Jalen was standing outside of the locker room after the game as guys were coming in. You know, he was in good spirits. So fortunately, it, it sounds like the, the Magic, you know, hopefully and, and probably dodged something pretty significant with Jalen Suggs. But uh, an ankle injury, depending on the severity, can keep you out for a number of weeks. So we're just going to have to wait and see what goes on with Jalen Suggs. Really, really tough kid. Plays through injury basically every single night. But everybody sort of has a, a breaking point. And if this is you know more severe than it looks like right now, missing Jalen Suggs for an extended period of time would be a massive loss for the Magic, Luke. It, it is unfortunate. And, it, man, watching it happen tonight the first time, we're like, oh, Awesome. So Suggs probably not going to play the rest of the game. And it made it that much worse when he checks back in and re-enters it. It's like, what, a, what is, like, he, he starts playing, like, very, very respectable defense on Donovan Mitchell, who we which we desperately needed in this game. And so for him to go out shortly after, like, my brother had just texted me and was like, Suggs putting the clamps on, on Donovan Mitchell. And then possessions later, he goes down again and he's out for the game. It's just disheartening, man. And um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but it's just not normal. Like, I don't know what it is with this team, with these specific players, but a lot of them, as we know very well, unfortunately, are super injury prone. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. Because if this is just like persistent all year, at what point are you like, what are we doing? <laughs> like what I don't want to be too extreme about this and in the moment, but it is like it's ridiculous. And I'm not a medical professional, as I've said many times on the show. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't know at what point you're like, okay, this is enough. And you take whatever action is needed. But man. That reaction would be extreme to the first twenty one games of the season. But when we look back at the last four years yep. of the Orlando Magic and, and look at certain guys and their ability mm -hmm. to stay healthy or, or just the fact that they're not able to do that, that is a, a genuine concern. And at, at what point do you say like, hey, like we're we're wasting this season? You know, we're not any we're not even approaching that yet. The Magic are 14 and seven. They're third right. in the Eastern Conference. If you would have asked any Magic fan or anybody within the organization a month and a half ago, hey, on a December 6th, would you would you take being 14 and 7 and being third in the Eastern Conference? Everybody would have given a resounding yes. So I don't it, mean to make this like the mm -hmm. sky is falling or anything like that, but it, it, what's coming through right now is previous trauma for me <laughs> because we've just been dealing with this exact issue for four straight years now of guys just constantly being injured. And we had like a yeah. couple of, I mean, sure, we had you know five or six games and then Wendell and Markel both go down. But after that, I was like, everybody's staying relatively healthy. Everybody's playing really well during this streak. Now the streak has ended and it's like, you already had Markel and Wendell out. You can't really probably withstand multiple significant losses beyond that. And now we have, and uh, it sucks. And 
really, you know, when I talk about Jalen Suggs going out and then coming back in tonight, re-entering, the feeling that I had in, in, in those moments is kind of like the full picture of what I felt with this team where it's like everybody gets injured, right? Start of the season, we're like first full healthy, fully healthy training camp. This is the year that we get a a majority healthy magic season. And then also to your point, when you say, you know, a few weeks ago, a couple months ago or whatever, when I, if I told you this was a record, would you take it? If you flip that and you're like, what do you think the magic's record is with Markel and Wendell being out since game five, game six of the season? And we're about 20 games in 21. What do you think the record is? None of us would say five and 20 again. Exactly. No one would say that we are where we are. So there are silver linings. This team is, has grown. All the gushing we've done over this team was legitimate. We don't take any of it back. This team has shown a lot of great strides, but you are reaching the point where you have to be critical of losses. You have to be critical of wins. How did you win? What did you do? What did you, how did you look? It's not just like a win is a win anymore, and it's not a loss is a loss. You have to analyze. This team has taken the next step. At least that's what they've led us to believe. And I have no reason to, to not believe that just yet. But yes, when you have Markel and you have Wendell out and then Jalen goes down, it's like, oh man, we're a deep team, but even a deep team can't withstand three starters being out for extended periods of time you're just not it's not good for chemistry and it's not good for results we're at a weird spot right now with the fan base where we have people that have been through like winning teams like that have seen you know the 95 finals team like lived through all of that and then obviously like the 09 finals team and the really really good 2010 team and went through all of the Vooch and Evan and AG years that are sort of like, okay, like this is great, but like this team also isn't like a contender yet. And then we have the other fans that we probably fall more into this category of like, you know, we've witnessed some success and then we witnessed mm-hmm. all the crap and now we're just like so happy to be like pretty good again. And then we have other people that are just like over the moon, like pie in the sky, like nothing is wrong, like kind of thing when we look at this team to the point where I don't think we were overly negative on the last podcast episode talking about the concerns the past few games, especially with the defense. And, and we were getting some like pushback from like people in, in, in comments saying, like, you guys are, are being too harsh, you're being too negative, this team is going to be fine, so on and so forth, you're overreacting. And then literally, that podcast came out on Monday. Monday afternoon, Cole Anthony was with the media after practice saying the exact same things that we said about the defense, how the defense has been slipping and there's a, a new standard. And Jamal mm-hmm. Mosley talked about it as well. Like there is a, a new standard. To your point, wins aren't just wins, losses aren't just losses. We're yeah. analyzing how the team performed in wins and are we seeing trends even in wins that are alarming. And that's what we were trying to make a point of on the last podcast episode. So sure, it's great that we're 14 and seven, but the last five games now, health is certainly a factor. No Jonathan Isaac for the last couple of games. No Jalen Suggs for the majority of this game. No Wendell, no Markel Fultz. 
but the defense has been slipping recently. The defense has not been good in about uh, you know eight or nine days now. Like it's it's been really really rough. Basically, after the the Celtics game, like the Celtics game, I feel like was like the last like really good defensive performance that the Magic had. And in that game, you had Jonathan Isaac, you had Jalen Suggs, you know, for you know uh, in that game. So we're going to talk about the the Cleveland game here. But yeah, the the injuries are are mounting up, and and at some point, it just gets to be a bit too much for even really, 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 really good teams to handle. So let's talk about this Cavs game, Luke. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Magic, just terrible start. Down 17 after one. I think the Magic were 0 of 10 from behind the arc in the first quarter. Cleveland was 7 of 10 from behind the arc. You're down 23 in the third quarter. Um, I'm sorry, it was 0 of 10 from three for the Magic in the, the first half. The Cavs were 7 of 10 in the first quarter, 9 of 17 from three in the first half. The Magic also give up seven offensive rebounds in the first half. Uh, just down, I think it. I think you were down, was it 17 at half against Cleveland? I don't have it in front of me, Luke. You'll have to uh, remind me or correct me on that in just a moment. I think uh, we're down 13. Magic, down 13. I knew it was 17 or 13. Magic yeah, down shot 2 of 13 uh, from 3 in the second half. Uh, fast forward to the fourth quarter. Uh, Magic were down 106 to 90 with just under 10 minutes to go. They go on an 8 to nothing run where you feel like they're really starting to put things together. They can just get a couple more stops, make a couple of buckets. They can make this a game. They go on an 8 to nothing run. They're down 8 
Cole Anthony has a look from the top of the key wide open with 6.54 to go. If he makes it, it makes it a five-point game. However, he misses it. Cleveland goes the other way. Jared Allen scores to push the lead back to 10. And that was essentially the ball game. The Magic never got it closer uh, than 10 after that point. And they just traded buckets uh, with the Cavs for about the last you know six minutes, 30 seconds. And you end up losing this game 121 to 111. And you dig yourself just such a big hole in that first half. Magic played, they outscored the Cavs over the next three quarters, the second, third, and fourth quarters. But you're just not able to mount enough of a run. And I know we talked so much, like as I'm going through this recap about three point shooting, but if you look at the box score, yep. essentially that is what this game came down to. Were the mm-hmm. Magic fantastic defensively? No. There were a, a few possessions in the, the first quarter where I think they left Max Struess like wide open in transition. Uh, and I think that happened at least one other occurrence in the second half. And I was like, did we learn nothing from the Brooklyn Nets game when like Mikhail Bridges was just running to the corner every single transition opportunity getting wide open threes or somebody would close out really hard and he would get a direct run to the rim? Like, did we learn nothing from that? Last year when we were talking about teams getting like corner threes and getting open threes against us, it was a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers that like really made it clear that this was a magic, a massive issue. And I had flashbacks of that tonight. I'm like, why are we just allowed? Like we're just way too the way too far into the paint. And when the Cavs rotate, guys are just getting wide open corner threes. And yeah, they were getting good looks, but also Donovan Mitchell was just making incredible shots tonight as Donovan Mitchell does. But yeah, for the magic in this game, uh, let's see, let me pull it up here again for us. For the for the game, the Magic are two of twenty three from behind the arc. Cleveland fourteen of thirty four. They shoot forty one percent. Luke, I mean, you can talk about the Magic, you know, being out rebounded, uh, taking care of the ball, eleven turnovers, but you're able to force fifteen for Cleveland. At the end of the day, for me, this game comes down to making your threes, and two of twenty three is good for eight point seven percent. Magic went to the line thirty seven times in this game. Sure, you missed. 10 of those still good for 73%, which isn't fantastic, but it, this game was just the magic could not knock down any shots from behind the arc. It was remarkable. Like to to be able to shoot as poorly as the magic did tonight. The unfortunate thing is that Cleveland's not a good three point shooting team. Like in no world this season, have they been good from beyond the arc? They're much like, the magic in that respect they shoot about 32 threes a game for context the magic shoot 30 they shoot the 22nd most in the league right so not much then when you look at their percentages the magic shoot 35.4 percent on the year and cleveland 34 percent cleveland is by percentage the fifth worst three-point shooting team in the league and they also don't shoot that many threes so for them, shooting 34 wasn't outlandish, right? Like their average is whatever I said, like 32. But the difference was they just they shot 41% from three and the Magic shot 8%. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the volume. So, so stupid to hear you say that out loud. 8% <laughs> from three. And when you can contrast that with the other team shooting 41%, I mean, both are a major outlier. Cleveland doesn't do that. No team shoots 8% from three. Just two things happen that that 
that never happen, right? It was a great shooting night for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Donovan Mitchell, obviously, you know, five of 10 from three and Struess four of eight. So when you have two guys that are doing that, it's difficult. The magic, the reason I still have, yeah, I know this is, you know, seems ridiculous. Like, of course, you, you should still have hope. The reason I still have hope for Monday night against Cleveland is solely because of that. Like, rebound a, a little better and shoot the ball from three better. Like, you, you got to the paint. You got to the paint super well, obviously. And it wasn't even like you got, to, you got 68 points in the paint, which is incredible. But you didn't shoot that many threes. It's not like you were taking the bait from Cleveland. You still were getting in the paint, converting there. You had 10 fast break points of their five. They had 58 points in the paint. Yeah, so you're outscoring by 10 there. You only have 11 turnovers. They have 17. So, and then the, the biggest thing really was obviously the rebounding and the three-point shooting, right? You... You lose the assist margin, but that's because you shot 8% from three. On a normal night, you have 25 to 30 assists in this game instead of 22. So, very frustrating. Unfortunately, the Magic somehow only shooting 23 threes die by the three-pointer tonight. You've all heard the term live and die by the three. The Magic did it when they weren't even meaning to. Like, the Magic weren't going to live by the three with only 23 attempts, but they definitely died. So, I listen, man, this is a frustrating loss. All things considered, Paolo gives us 42. Franz has his worst game I can remember in a Magic uniform. And you lose this game by 10. You're back at it against them on Monday. I think there's a lot of redeeming qualities about this game, as frustrating as it was. You should have lost by 25. But you kept fighting, tried to stay in it. But Cleveland, that first quarter lead was all they needed. You win every other quarter. But Cleveland just had to keep you at bay the rest of the game. They won the game in the first quarter and just, like I said, kept the Magic at bay. So you mentioned the Magic you know, shooting 35% from three on the year. According to NBA.com, they dropped an entire percentage point tonight. NBA.com <sighs> has them at 34%. That'll, that'll do it. For a player to, you know, fluctuate a percentage point, you know, on a, a given night is really not a big deal. For an NBA team to do that mm-hmm. in in game twenty one of the season, that's that's definitely something. That's that's a that's a, a feat. I don't want to call it impressive, but it's certainly a feat. Um if the Magic even shoot their average, their season average from three tonight, they make eight threes and they win this game. Even if you shoot thirty percent. You shoot seven of twenty-three. You win this game. Yeah. So, like, we can harp on the defense all we want. Like, this this game quite literally came down to the Magic not being able to shoot uh, from behind the arc. This was was it the the Dallas game that the Magic went like eighteen straight minutes without hitting a three. The Magic went like 27, 28 minutes in this I, game before they made their first three. I am not kidding you. So I'm watching the game right. So I'm. On my way home from my nephew's Christmas program at, at at their school, right? I'm on my way home. I've got the phone on the console with the Bally Sports up as I'm driving. And I know You're the welcome. game is not going well, right? Like, I know that the game is not going well in that first quarter, obviously. 
freaking Donovan Mitchell banks in that first shot of the game. I'm like, well, that's weird. And then they go down and Goga tries to pass to Paolo. And Paolo quite literally unintentionally gets this ball tipped in the basket. He's awarded the basket just because his hand was there, right? Terrible. And at that point, I had a couple different thoughts. I was like, oh, man, we're in for a really weird game. And then I had the thought of, if that goes in for Paolo, it's going to be a big night. And he ends up scoring 42. And it was, in fact, a very weird, weird game in the terms of three-point. I am not kidding. I am sitting on my couch watching this game, and I see the tweet come across. The freaking Magic PR ruins one play a game for me, and it's always the first three-pointer of the game because my stream is on Bally is somewhat behind. I get the notification comes through, and I was like, I know we've been shooting poorly, but is that really the first three-pointer of the game? And I show, I pull up the ESPN app, and I go to team stats. I'm like, oh, wow, it was the first three-pointer of the game. I couldn't believe it. Um, this game was a mess. But all things considered, man, you've got them again on Monday. You got, to get, you got a tune-up game on Friday, if we're being completely honest. You play the Detroit Pistons. Blow the doors off those dudes. You say that, and <laughs> if, you, if you listening, you don't understand. The Detroit Pistons have lost 18 straight games. It's a, it's a tune-up, and you should, if you lose that game, there might need to be an emergency podcast for this team and what's, it's, what's going on for a team that went on a freaking nine-game win streak and then can't put it together against a team that sucks. They are 2-19. and 19. Someone last year, I'll never forget this, I said that a team sucked. When the Magic had gotten it going, all right? Listen, the last however many games, 50-some games, the Magic were 29-28. and 28. We had it going, all right, for our standard. I came on here and I mentioned a team sucked. And someone was like, hey, you can't be saying that. We're the Ma- we're Magic fans. You can't be saying I can say it. I could say it then, and I can say it now when the Detroit Pistons are awful. They are dog. And if you, the Magic lose on Friday, there's going to be a lot of problems. Our group chat is going to be just a massacre of a group chat and it's going to be because of just me going off and it if we somehow lose this game to the 2 and 19 Detroit Pistons I I can we cannot lose that game anyway my point was that's a tune up game monday you play against cleveland you get a chance to right your wrongs shoot better than 8% from 3 and get out of there with a win on monday yeah we talked about franz who in this game was 3 of 16 i don't think he made a field goal until like late in the third quarter yes, right. ends up with 14 because he was eight of 10 from the free throw line added six rebounds, nine assists, three steals. All things considered like the standard that we have for Franz. Now I cannot remember him playing worse than he did tonight. Something that I've noticed with Franz and, and this is going to sound kind of weird because he had 10 free throw attempts tonight. When he goes at some of these, shot blockers these rim protectors he's so accustomed to just be able to get around whoever he wants but these taller guys like a Jared allen like an anthony davis uh like a an evan mobley even if you get around them they're so long they're still able to recover so even if he gets behind them they're still able to reach behind them and contest his shot at the rim Instead of what he should be doing, which is getting these guys off balance, you know, get them to commit one way. And if you do get around them, 
he should still be playing the contact into them, get them underneath the rim, and then it's an easy finish for him. He's so good at sort of dancing around guys that I, oftentimes I feel like he doesn't initiate the contact that he should. Like I feel like he could get to the free throw line even more than he did tonight. And a lot of these finishes were just him trying to you know, get away from contact at the rim. There was a point tonight, Jonathan, where he threw up this circus shot. Like, awful, awful circus shot. And that's when I was like, man, Franz just doesn't have it tonight. And I do think it is largely to do with that. He's he's more accustomed to really being a finesser at the rim, whether that is with a Euro step or a reverse layup or just kind of like his odd runner sky hook type of, of lay-in that he does. He's very used to that. And Cleveland is just maybe just not a great matchup for him. I don't know if the stats back that up. I do want to look and see if Cleveland um, has been a, a hard for freaking Franz to, to figure it out. I'm going to do that. I'm going to look this up. And then we are going to take a quick break and we will come back. But I... Before we Let's do see. that, I, I do want to take a minute or so just to talk about Paolo because it's absolutely you wanna, deserved. Before the break. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. I'm going to look up Franz Wagner uh, against the Cavs. In his career, seven games, he is averaging 13 points, uh, four rebounds, four assists, basically. And he is shooting 37% against Cleveland in his career. That does include tonight. So, yeah, he it all checks out. He shot 38% last year on in April against them um, on 18 attempts. He was 7 of 18. The game before that, he was 6 of 17 on to 35% last December. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it all checks out. Franz Wagner tends to struggle against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'm assuming it is because of what we just talked about. One thing that I wanted to talk about that we that we didn't really mention uh, about the Cleveland mm-hmm. Cavaliers game is Anthony Black in the third quarter, three of three had at six points, playing admirable defense, admirable not admiral, admirable defense on Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Played really really well in the third, like some of the best basketball that we've seen Anthony Black play in a, a number of weeks. And then just didn't see the floor at all in the fourth quarter. And especially early in that fourth quarter, it felt like Darius Garland would, like really just took over and was getting to his spots. Darius Garland ended up with seven points in the fourth quarter and four assists. So really just sort of being able to do whatever he wanted in that fourth. It felt like a massive missed opportunity to get Anthony Black back into the game really at any point during the fourth because was just playing really well, and Gary Cole like really didn't have anything to offer Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland in the way of defense tonight. And Anthony Black was actually doing a pretty good job on those guys. So the fact that like this is becoming sort of a trend recently, where like Anthony Black will start games and like we won't see him in the second half or we don't see him at all in the fourth quarter. And tonight, I just I didn't really get that. I don't know about you. Who was the who was closing lineup tonight? Was it basically the starters, but with Gary and Cole, or was it I just believe Cole? so? 
Yeah, because AB wasn't in and Jalen obviously was out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at kind of the and play by play. I believe there was some Mo Wagner in there as well. Mm-hmm. So, you did have Goga. like Gary and Cole in there. It is a no brainer, in my opinion, to let AB and finish this game and take Gary out. Gary was not good tonight. He just didn't have it. Um, one of seven from the field for Gary. So give me Anthony Black to close the game when he is five of five <laughs> from the field. You'd hope that he would give you maybe some assists, but who knows what his potential assists were like to three-point shooters tonight that just couldn't knock anything down. But uh, yeah, I, I much rather would prefer Anthony Black over Gary Harris tonight. Doesn't mean always. But tonight, with Cir- given the circumstances with Suggs out, I think you needed A-B down the stretch. Super, super weird. All right, we got to take a moment just to give Paolo Bancaro his flowers tonight. The best game offensively of his career. 42 points, had six rebounds and an assist and, and two blocks. Had a great uh, defensive uh, possession on uh, Donovan Mitchell. believe it was the closeout the first half, if I'm not mistaken, where he just like really locks up Donovan Mitchell, loses dribble. He tries to get a shot off, and, and Paolo Bancaro blocks it at the buzzer. Uh, but 42 points on 26 shots tonight, 9 of 10 from the free throw line, just 1 of 5 from behind the arc, but just you sort of felt it early on with Paolo when he realized that certain guys didn't have it, especially after Jalen went down, where he was like, oh, no, like I'm just going to have to take over tonight. And that's what he did. Like It didn't really matter who they threw at him or, or how they were trying to guard him. Like you talk about you know mid range shots, uh, baseline finishing at the rim, finishing through contact, like really just put it all on display tonight. And when we talk about this kid being a superstar, it feels like around the league, like maybe people that's not like a foregone conclusion that Paolo is going to be a superstar for whatever reason. But tonight is like, oh well, absolutely, obviously, like look at this kid, look at his frame, look at the way that he moves, look at the way that he's able to to score in a you know variety of ways like th- this kid is to, like I feel weird like calling him a superstar already because he doesn't like have superstar numbers but like the superstar talent is obviously there and just putting it on full display tonight what is the hardest thing for a young player to do the hardest thing in my opinion for a young player to do in this league is to put two halves of basketball together specifically scoring the basketball. How many times have we seen it, whether it be from Paolo, Franz, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, any of these young guys where they have a great first half. They go into the third quarter with like 17, 18 points that they scored in the first half. And it's then they're just not able to put things together in the second half, whether that's, you know, the, the team is just trying to do other things schematically or the opposing team is throwing so many different looks at them that they have they, they have no choice but to just try to distribute the ball, get the ball out of their hands because they're getting looked, you know, crazy looks and double teams and whatnot. Tonight, Paolo Bancaro has 20 points at the end of the first half. And it, it was great, but no part of me really thought he's going to drop 40 tonight. At that point, with how young, like I said, with these guys and what the how it usually goes, at that point, you're probably predicting Palo finishes like 32, 34, maybe. Second half better than the first. Has 22 in the second half. 
And so finally, like it was just a complete point performance. You wish that it comes at the hands of a win. Palapin Kara was awesome. He, if legitimately, if it wasn't for three point shooting in this one, the Magic are able to win this game. And I say that because, as I said earlier, you should have lost by 25 points or more with how terrible the shooting numbers were. But, I mean, Cleveland didn't shoot a high volume. They just shot, they just shot a great percentage. And you dominated the paint. So, Paolo Bancaro, man, not enough can be said about him. And I agree. The sentiment doesn't seem to be shared that like it just seems inevitable he's going to be a superstar. And in this league, there's a lot of people that are called superstars and they shouldn't be. But just so we're clear, I think Paolo Bancaro absolutely can be a top five talent in the NBA at some point in his career. That's a superstar. And I think that's what we've got on our hands. That's a super duper star, baby. Super duper. The Magic tonight were like one other guy from showing up away from winning this game, whether it be mm-hmm. Franz Wagner, Gary Harris, Joe Ingles, like any of those guys has a halfway decent night. The Magic are you know, able to to win this game. It's much closer down the stretch. So sort of disappointing. But uh, but yeah, Luke, you want to talk about some chicken? Yeah, I would love to talk about some chicken. I would, I would kill for a freaking... Sando, I say that every time now. Next time you got to get the box. What can you explain the box again? So the box is like tenders that are like chopped up Mm -hmm. with fries, with the the Vinny slaw. You can add pickles to that. You can have the comeback sauce. It's all thrown into one box. Okay, I do. You can even add mac and cheese to that as well. By the way, if you really want to get crazy, which I have, and it's just like all of those fantastic (laughs) flavors just having a party, you know, in in your mouth. In your mouth. Thank you for that. Thank you for finishing that. And uh, I just can't. I can't get away from the bun. To be honest with you, the sando is just so good. The buttered bun. I'm assuming it's buttered, but because it is incredible. Yes. So jam hot chicken. You've heard us just rave about their food. You guys can find them at 400 West New England Avenue, Suite 13 in Hannibal Square. Check them out at jamhotchickenfl.com to access the menu. You can order ahead there. As you can also access music playlists and just all things jam hot. Uh, been getting a lot of love from Yelp, especially recently. I know they were number four in the state of Florida. I don't know how rankings work, but they were number four in the state of Florida um, recently in an article for this past year. And they also were like ninth voted ninth best in Orlando. So I don't know what how that works, but all I know is they're cooking over there. Jam Hot Chicken, go check them out. Tell them we sent you. Get the box, get the Sando, get everything, and enjoy it. Tell them we sent you. Want to talk just for a moment about the folks that help make each and every episode possible, our wonderful patrons. Uh, If you're a new listener or you've been listening to the show for some time and you just want to be a part of what we're doing and just continue to help take this to the next level, we want to keep making the show better and better. If you would like to help support the show, uh, which you can do for as little as two dollars a month, you know that's you know one less Starbucks a month. You know Starbucks like fifty seven dollars anytime you go there now. Uh, just like everything else, cost of living, cost of food, everything. One less Starbucks drink, you could support us for probably years at two dollars a month. So, uh, but if you'd like to join in on the action, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. A part of the benefit of our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons is we give them special shout outs each and every episode. We list every single one of them. 
As always, we'll go ahead and start with Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch, Dave, Paolo and Francis Warmth, Pierre A., Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Daniel Dotto 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Hafrican, Shahin 177, Bowie the Dawn, Himloban, Himro, RM Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Spanking Season, Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Eddie House's Burner, Maria, Keith Walsh, Fritz, Currency Kev, Bruv Sal, Kaysen Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, and Chansu. Again, if you want to find us in our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, Eddie House's burner, which by the way, uh, we didn't talk about this at the top of the show, but the Celtics have been uh, you know, eliminated from the in-season tournament. They lost shame. to the Indiana Pacers on Monday. And just to show how petty they are, Unprompted from us, Magic fans went back to the tweet from Eddie House uh, from last week and let him know, oops, all for nothing. Just tons of Magic fans were doing that uh, the other night. Really, really hilarious. And Eddie House just like keeps doubling down and, and talking trash. Like Next week is, is going to be big uh, at, our, uh, at, watch, at the watch party that we're going to have next week. Uh, really looking forward to that, Luke. And yeah, Eddie House just cannot help. Uh, but talk trash every opportunity that he gets. I have to share something that I just saw as you were reading our lovely patrons' uh, names there. I have to look something up real quick here, and let's see. All right, so a tweet just came through, Jonathan. The Bulls tonight, they beat Charlotte. They have now won three straight basketball games, I believe all of which without Zach Levine. Sham Sharania tweets out after the game tonight, just moments ago, Bulls Zach Levine will miss an additional three to four weeks to treat right foot inflammation. Have you ever heard that? Tweet pretty before? interesting. That is interesting. So the Bulls are now, for those keeping track at home, are three and one without him this year. They've ripped off three straight. And after they beat the Hornets tonight, Shams ironically tweets out that Levine is going to miss the next few weeks with right foot inflammation. So might be anything might be anything. Maybe Zach Levine on the move. Don't really I'm good. need that to be Orlando. Nope. No but uh, that's just something I, I had to share with the class because that was a, that was a tweet that made me chuckle um, due to right foot and inflammation. Vibes around this team are still relatively high, Luke. Mm -hmm. But like tonight still left like a, a, a sour taste, like a poor taste in my mouth. So I just wanted to, I don't know what we want to call this segment, but I just sort of like want to vent. Mm -hmm. about, like we've already talked about the injuries like at, at nauseum and we've been doing that for a number of years. So I, I don't necessarily want to do that. One thing that has stuck out to me has been just like Gary Harris's struggles from behind the arc. And now going back to the last 10 games, he's shooting 30.4% from behind the arc. And like it, if you go to nine games, eight games, seven games, like it just gets worse and worse. Like over the course of the last five games, like the Magic have, have been struggling in the last five games here, you know, regardless of wins, he's shooting 18% on 4.4 attempts from behind the arc the last five games. On the season, 
Gary Harris is shooting 35.8%. So not terrible. Obviously not the, you know, 40 plus percent that he shot from, from behind the arc last year. But especially recently, like Gary has like really been struggling from there. And it's quite frankly, it's hurting the team. Like tonight, he was 0 of 4 from behind the arc. And basically all of them were good looks. He makes even a couple of those. This is a much closer game down the stretch for the Magic. And maybe they have a little bit more juice to sort of finish the game. I just wanted to talk about that for a second. Like, I'm not trying to kill Gary Harris by any means here, but like, we just need Gary to shoot better. He's he's been struggling recently. He's been struggling for sure. Do you remember? I think it was his first full season with us. What was that? Oh, 21? boy, do I. He had a really rough uh, November and December. 21 22. That's what two, it was. Two seasons ago now. Yeah. Because yeah. all last year, he was awesome. Yeah. So. That's what this reminds me of to that effect. The first 20 games of of his 20, uh, 21-22 season with the Orlando Magic, he shot 28% from three. And still ended up shooting 40% almost, I think, for that entire year. That entire year, he shot 38.4% on five attempts a game. I am not at all worried about Gary Harris because at the end of the day, he's a shooter. He knows he's a shooter. Like, and even without the numbers, like just jumping out on a page to you when he was in Denver, that is what I thought Gary Harris could be for the team. I thought that he could excel from shooting the three ball. And that is exactly what he has done season after season for this team, despite the rough start in that season that I just talked about. I'm not worried about Gary Harris. I don't think I will be until it's been, unless it's been like we get to the halfway point of the year and he's shooting similar numbers. I think that we're absolutely going to get a stretch of Gary that resurrects the season for him from in terms of perimeter shooting. Defensively, I love Gary Harris. I've always loved Gary Harris, and I've, I've always said that on the show in terms of what he brings defensively offensively he just if the ball is going in the hoop from three gary harris is a positive on the offensive end that's all we need from him i remember the 21 22 season i think other people should as well and then also to note that he ends the season shooting what he does whatever i said 38 plus percent i'm not worried about gary but right now yes i agree with you it is frustrating that he cannot hit shots given that this team needs three-point shooting more than anything else where are we with Goga right now? Right now? He's he's fine. I don't know. I'm I just more than anything, I'm ready for Wendell to be back. Of course. Listen, we all knew that this point would come. Well, maybe we didn't. Like some people maybe didn't. I, I think that some people just completely lose focus, right? Wendell wasn't there for the win streak last year. But we came to realize and remember how important he was when he did come back. At the end of the day, the team still finishes twenty nine and twenty eight in this final that final you know part of the season. So for me, Wendell Carter, he always was going to be welcome back, regardless. Right, he's going to be put in the starting lineup. And I think really all we've learned in terms of Goga is that he's probably just going to be collecting DMPs. Once Wendell gets back, 
as I said last episode, you're not in any world running a three big lineup in terms of even rotationally. Obviously, you're not going to have on the court at the same time, but you're not going to run them, you know, in a, in a game with heavy minutes on any of those, all three of those guys. That's for sure. You're not going to put Morris Fogner to the side for Goga Patase. So he has done well. He's been serviceable and he's had stretches where he looked awesome. But we also have to understand there's a reason he was getting DMPs earlier in the year. And I think it just might be consistency of production, consistency in what he does. He's like I said, he has had great stretches already in the season. But you talk about Wendell, who is the definition of a walking double double. Wendell is his basically average with the team has been 15 and 10 every year he's here. So, yes, Wendell Carter, I, I'm ready for him to be back. That's basically where I am. And I know every time we, we say anything even relatively critical of Goga, we get like, <laughs> oh, you guys are 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 disrespecting Goga and, and so on and yeah. so forth. And he's he's been way better in the absence of Wendell than I could have imagined. But it, it's just like the inconsistencies, you know, like finishing around the rim is what should like sometimes be pretty easy finishes. And then like that defensive energy uh, that he can bring at times, he just doesn't bring it every night. And for the mm-hmm. most part, Wendell does. And uh, yeah, Wendell gives it's, you a little bit more offensively as well. It is wild to me. Goga, this is going to come across as disrespectful. Goga might be the first person in history to be a streaky shooter at the rim only. He he's he's streaky. Wow. Man. He's streaky. There's games where he's missing bunnies I, left I, and right. I don't know that I would go that far, but I <laughs> I see where you're going. I it, see where this is coming from. If anybody from. to to my knowledge meets the definition of that at the rim, it feels like Goga. Like there are some games where I'm like, wow, Goga's really got it going. And then he starts out the game missing two straight layups like he did last game against Brooklyn where he missed an oop. Might have been a bad toss to him. I'm not sure. But he did, in fact, miss a layup at the beginning of the game. And that's just, it's the the duality of man. I don't know. But Goga is seemingly inconsistent uh, at the rim. So I'm just going, I'm just strictly looking at field goal attempts and, and makes over the course of the last few games. So going back to uh, the Milwaukee game on November 11th here, one for five, then six for seven, six for 10, 0 for one, three for five, two for six, two for five, three for five, five for seven, two for five, one for one, one for six. Tonight, Goga was three for four. So there is something to that because sometimes he gets the ball underneath the rim, two feet in the paint, and I'm like, I don't know if this is going in. Listen, you can just you don't have to look up anything like I started looking up bucket less dot fans to to look up you know goga in the restricted area. The honest truth is goga doesn't shoot threes, so you can you can do just what you just did. You can look at field goal attempts and how he shoots. Yeah, he's not taking middies or anything like that. No, you've like never seen him pull up. He's he, one foot out the paint at the absolute most. Listen, man, if I'm looking, am I looking at this right? Yeah, he was 1-5 against Milwaukee November 11th. At 2-5 against Denver. 
Is this at Two. the rim or are you just? This is just his field goal percentage, which I bet you they were all at the oh, rim. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just listed, I'm just, listed I'm those, just cherry. Yeah. Well, you did the good ones as well. I'm just cherry picking here, but there's been multiple two of fives, a one of six, like the, you know, it, it For is a guy who's primarily taking attempts within five feet. It's, you know, that's They're all a little bunnies. bit concerning. They're all bunnies. And yeah. So listen, I don't think we have to apologize for this at all because you and I have both showed our, our gratitude, quite frankly, for Goga Pataze and said we were wrong to say that this front office should have gone for another backup center that we were wrong point blank we were wrong about that but you still cannot lose the value of Wendell Carter Jr. and what he brings to this team and the starting unit especially I am excited for Wendell to be back in the starting lineup and then still looking be able to look forward to Moritz Wagner coming into the game off the bench that's a really fun one-two punch I hope we get to see it a lot this year I hope Wendell Carter Jr. is back soon I hope there's nothing else fluky that happens as far as injuries go with him. I would I would do a lot of things for a Wendell Carter Jr. remainder healthy season. I feel like with Goga, the things that like flash with him and the things that excite me about Goga are the things that Wendell gives you every night. Like when Goga has a big rebounding game, Wendell rebounds pretty well every single night. When Goga has like the, you know, the five or six assist games. Like Wendell is capable of having those mm-hmm. every single night. And then Wendell gives you more offensively. Like Wendell has a little bit of a bag, cannot knock down mid range jumpers, can step out and shoot league average from three. So, like, this isn't a knock on Goga. It's just like Goga is what we thought he was, which is a, a third center in the NBA. Fair. And it's just because it's not because he's not very talented, it's because he can't put consistent performances together. So like he he's been like contributing, you know, to these wins, but like the Magic have also like won games sometimes like in spite of Goga Batadze. Like obviously Magic lose tonight, but your starting center playing twenty four minutes, having three rebounds, that just cannot happen. Mm-mm. I don't mean this to turn into like a crap on Goga Batadze fest because it's not great I, offensive I was more rebounder. So just trying to outline how badly we need Wendell back. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, he's had some impressive offensive rebounding games for this team that all stem from effort and hustle. Goga does that well. But in terms of just the general total rebounder, I mean, you this isn't you obviously take Wendell Carter Jr. every day of the week with that. Yeah. Look, I think uh I think that's gonna do it for this one. Just a couple of things that I wanted to mention. Uh Monday when we take on the Cleveland Cavaliers again at home. Next episode of the Six Fan Show is going to be filmed outside of that game. So as you're leaving Amway that night, be sure to find Ben outside Amway. You'll see him with the camera, with the lights and everything like that. And then next Friday is going to be our next watch party. We are going to be at Castaway Sports Bar and Grill, which is located at 504 North Alafaya Trail. Magic taking on the Boston Celtics. So that's going to be another opportunity for us to clown Eddie House if the Magic happened to beat the Celtics again. So really looking forward to that. That game tips off at 8 o'clock. Uh, the watch party is going to jump off of it about 7.30. So make sure that you guys come out to that. And Luke, I know we've already talked about the menu at Castaways, but I am very much looking forward to, to Friday and having a, a nice cold one watching the Magic hopefully beat hey. the Celtics and uh, eating some good food. Listen, 
next Wednesday when we sit down, record the final episode before the watch party, I guarantee you we're going to be talking menu again. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We got to recap. We got to give these people a refresher. Give me a refresher of what I'm going to be slamming at Castaways. I'm excited to break that down with you guys. A uh, menu breakdown once again coming uh, next Wednesday. Let's do it. All right, let's wrap up this one. That's going to do it for this episode, folks. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See you. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!